for year-round allergies and hay fever, try Demister Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. I've had the benefit of hindsight because I made I made some decisions when I was younger and around the spirit of game which I I regret. Um, I made some mistakes around it as well and and I put my hand up for that. Yes, it's a big good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ just after six o'clock. Got Sammy Hewitt in the house. Got Kez keeping the kitchen warm. And there you go, there's a little insight to what's coming up on the show. A big Tuesday morning to get reaction to yesterday. Probably the biggest day in individual sport in history in New Zealand for our Kiwi athletes around the world, covering all disciplines. you got athletics, you got golf, and you got motorsport racing. What a day that was, lads. Morning to you there in Auckland, Sammy Hewitt, Kempe and Kitty Kitty. Good morning. Morena, Morena, Morena is, yeah, a big day yesterday. I was just saying before, like Giz winning that uh, race in Chicago, it looked like uh, you are watching a PlayStation game the way that he was driving that car and the first time in it. How good to get uh, to the top of the podium, just reading some some of his comments on and on the excitement that um, he felt, especially with the crowd, the burnouts at the end of it. Um, mate, that was amazing. Paulie Mawadi tipping mm. everyone into that and love racing yesterday um, when we went to the TAB. And, of course, on the back of Dan Hillier's win, uh, you know, I just think I just think some days you wake up after the weekend and go, man, that was a really good weekend. And it just that's a long weekend, that one, where the boys come out on the Monday and they, uh, they continue to fly the flag for New Zealand. So well done. To all of our uh, all of our sportsmen around the world, flying the flag high, and put New Zealand on the map. Oh, it's so good, hey Sammy! You sent through the news on WhatsApp about SVG winning over in Chicago, first person in 60 years to win on debut, the first street race in NASCAR history. 
No surprises, really. SVG have been doing it in the supercar for a very long time. Even tried to chance his arm and rally, and now he's going over there on their own backyard and beating the pot, uh, beating the the Americans. Yeah, mate. He, it, people that um, follow Giz in supercars, you know, already know how wildly talented he is. But for people that maybe aren't as well versed in, in uh, motorsport, the guy's a freak, like an absolute freak. You don't go from a supercar V8 over to NASCAR, jumping it, you know, for like a day basically for practice, f- qualify third on the grid and then go and win the race. It, it's just absurd. And then like you mentioned, he does rallying, he does dirt, uh, you know, he does um, speedway. He, he does absolutely anything. And a lot of people will ask the question, and there already is actually a question here on double eight double three from John asking about, you know, putting him in an F1 car. Unfortunately for Giz, he's just too big for an F1 car. Yeah. But, but, but honestly, pe- people are saying, people are saying that pound for pound, he is one of the greatest motorsport drivers on earth at the moment. And he beats, and, and Brad Lewis said it last night on the run home. He beats, he beats Max, Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, these guys in the simulators. Whenever they do the, the, the sort of e racing, he crushes them. They can't beat him. <laughs> oh, man, that is so good. SVG boys, put them in the FY car next week. They need some excitement over there because Max is winning it all and it is boring. I was I was reading some comments on some posts on, on social media and there was one comment that really stu- st- uh, stood out for me. There's three of the four uh, the similarities between the supercar and the NASCAR. The suspension, obviously racing through the streets. Traditionally, they just race around a, mm. an oval track, don't they? And, and so there's not a, a hell of a lot of turning, but once you put a bit of turning involved and having to control those those cars around corners, the makeshift, the makeup of the cars, they're quite similar from what I was reading to a supercar. Sammy Hill, yeah. you probably be able to elaborate a bit more. They're pretty similar. Yeah, like so. That's probably one thing. If you were Americans and and you know you're, you're wanting to get your tall poppy on, you might say something like the NASCAR drivers aren't used to street circuits because they do grow up in ovals. Mark Larkham, uh, you know the, the former supercars driver and the commentator, said that yesterday on ECNZ that uh, they we grow up here on these really difficult um, tracks and difficult roads that force you to race really aggressively and uh, and there's, it's high risk, high reward. Over in America, they grow up on the ovals. So they, they, they're much more... And, and that would be the, the test for, for Giz if he was sort of going to go to NASCAR full-time would be whether or not he can transfer the street circuit racing to, to an oval because it's obviously a lot different. You're just going around in circles. It's about you know fuel conservation and tyre management and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, I don't doubt him, but that that's probably the one question mark that people would have. Would you go over, Kempi? Would you make the shift to the United States to have a crack? We've seen what it's done for Scott Dixon in IndyCars. He is flying. He's made a life for himself over there. Obviously, SVG is probably making a wee bit here in supercars, but I'm guessing the NASCAR contract will be a hell lot more over there. Are we going to lose He's him? 100%. He's just written his ticket yesterday. He's, uh, like Sammy said, 60 years since it's been done before. Mm. He's the golden boy that uh, every car, every sponsor would want driving their driving their vehicle. And um, I see in his comments that the first thing he did, <laughs> very smart, was go out and thank all the sponsors that were uh, <laughs> that were supporting him. And good I was man. like, when I was reading, I was going, good man. That's exactly what you need to say because they're all lining up to get your signature. So, oh, look, I hope I hope Giz has got a really good manager. Um, you know, he's going to need it. He's going to need it to uh, manage all that money that he's got. So uh, good on him. I just think he's an f- absolute freak, you know. I think, he, I think he can transfer it. I think it is that risk and reward. He drives mm. his cars with, I guess, no, no fear. And when you've got that, 
Um, I watched where he took the lead yesterday in that race and the way that he did it and the went past cars, um, you know, on bends. He's yeah, he's pretty special. I think I think his name's up in lights for a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking so too. And just been watch gonna watch this with interest. SVG, he's coming back, he's obviously got the supercars, but I'm sure they won't be letting him go lightly. The conversations will be continuing on. Another message here from Ants, SVG, how good and Verstappen has never beaten him e in e race e racing at least monthly. Don't forget Zoe Hobbs, latest record in Olympic qualifying mark that is from Ants. No, we're not forgetting Zoe Hobbs. Spoke about her yesterday, a big day for her, obviously qualifying for Paris Olympics, Hamish Kerr winning his latest Diamond League, uh, jumping the high jump at uh, 2 metres, 24 centimetres to beat his closest uh, rival and tough opponent by 4 centimetres. And then Dan Hillier, two shots, British Masters. A great day for Kiwi Sport. And we've got a great day on the show for us this morning after 7 o'clock. We've got the great trophy, the Melbourne Cup. The Melbourne Cup in studio oh, with Sammy Hewitt. That. Oh, Come on, just wouldn't ask it be good me. to win that? <laughs> 18 carats of pure gold valued at over 600,000 Australian dollars will be there oh, right nice in front of money. you, Sammy Hewitt. You keep your hands to yourself, son. Now, hold on. Is it uh, is the Melbourne Cup like, um, I know in a lot of sports, boys, uh, you're not allowed to touch the trophy, or there's sort of an unspoken rule, you don't Put touch the, the trophy unless you, unless you win it. <laughs> Is, is that the case? Am I allowed to not touch it, you know, given I've never won it before? That, that, that exists in a lot of sports, especially if you're a player. You wouldn't touch the World Cup yeah. unless, you, unless you'd won it because you don't want to, you know, it, it's got so I much also like that with I was like that with crutches. If anyone had crutches and they'd walk around anywhere near me, I would, like, go five seats away from them. You know, like, and, you know, guys try and whack you with a crutch, I'd, mate, I'd go off. I'd say, don't touch me with that. <laughs> like you know, because I was always Where's your sympathy? About Where's your sympathy, Kimpy? I wasn't worried about them, mate. I was worried about not <laughs> being injured, not being on the football field. So, um, mate, I'd be like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually. Um, you know, if you if you had a horse that was good enough, I wouldn't actually yeah. be worried about that. Um, touching it because you'd go, mate. I actually want to touch that when I win it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that, um, that's the question for you, Kimpy, because you, obviously you you own a couple. Are you touch you, it, Sammy? Yeah, well, I, that's the thing. I've got absolutely no, uh, you know, the only, the only horses I ever <laughs> you bet on. Your ju you put your juju all over. The, the only horses I ever bet on are the, are the losers that Tony gives me on a weekly basis. But if you did, if you did own horses, <laughs> that's a rare jab. That's a rare jab. If you, you, Sammy, if you that's did, a rare jab. Well, funny enough, actually, Kempi, I thought you were going to be back today, so I actually teed it all up, hoping to have you in here, uh, so that you know we could we could get all your Melbourne Cup stories because I bet you've got a, quite a few over the years. I've got a, I've got a ton of them too. I went uh, seven years in a row. I went to the Melbourne Cup. It was my end of year uh, excursion. I'd say when I used to come back from England. So every year I'd come back from England, we'd come down and holiday on the way home, and then uh, I'd get down to New Zealand, and my mates would be waiting there, and we'd jump back on a plane and head out to Melbourne. It is one of the best sporting events you can ever go to. As he's been to one, he went to one. Oh dear, on I think he went last to last year. year's one, didn't you? Because you had a horse Gold running trip. in the Melbourne Cup day. That's right. Um, it is, honestly, if you've got a sporting event, a bucket list, you have to throw the Melbourne Cup on it. You go there for a week. Uh, it's Saturday to Tuesday. 
Um, and it's uh, honestly, back in the early days when we went, we we used to go for the week, and then we used to cut it right back to about four days because it just got too hard. But um, <laughs> mate, it's it's a pretty special, pretty special um, thing, Sammy, getting the the Melbourne Cup in there this morning. I'm pretty pretty gutted mm. that I'm not there uh, to actually witness the cup coming in because you don't get that close and up personal with mm. the Melbourne Cup. And it's become an international race now. So where it was a, a race for Australians' um, best stayers, it's now a race for the world's best stayers. They come over, they raid the, the Melbourne Cup. That'll be a question we can ask about that, is when when does Australia think that they'll get that cup back? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic trip. You know, something, Sammy, you could probably work on is doing something, doing doing us a favour and getting us um, getting us a trip over there, yeah. right? What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, I'll talk to Hachi. Um, I, yeah, I'll just have to pull off a couple of favours, but I'm sure we can make something happen. Has you, you ever gone over? I oh, went last year. Yeah, so Hutchie and Sen have a have a birdcage um, box. Oh, here you go, Kimpy. Here you go. Talk to us. Go uh, talk to me. <laughs> Hutchie uh, hosted me and a couple of others. It was good, man. It was such a good time. The weather wasn't wasn't great, but um, Melbourne Cup. We actually went on Derby Day as well. Saturday race um, our horse pung or race and race one, and uh, got to witness the whole carnival. Really, it was pretty special. It's a good time. Gold trip. The worst thing about that situation is I tipped out gold trip to my barbers. Yeah, you did. And then I went over. And when you get over there, you hear about a lot of these other horses. So you forget about a, your original <laughs> pick. Well, I didn't back gold trip. And it won and paid 20 odd bucks. So I got my, my barbers paid. But uh, I didn't get on it myself. <laughs> but it's such a good time, Sammy. You're going to really enjoy this. Joe McGrath is affectionately known as the keeper of the cup. He's going to bring it. He's bringing it in this morning. And uh, I know many of you out there will have your memories and experiences double eight double three let us know your melbourne cup memories the one horse that you picked i've picked one winner in my time americane back in the day americane won obviously i think it was the early, late 2000, uh, 2008 2009 somewhere around then anyway i was in hawks bay i was at smithy's famous bar that he used to quite frequently drink at turks bar and americane won obviously yep. americane turks bar and it won, and uh, it's passed on now, Americane, but I've got some great memories. So send them through on double eight double three, and uh, coming up as well, we're going to be continuing on this chat with uh, SVG. We've got one of his best mates, well, his best mate, Andrew Waite, who's a, for he's a driver, and uh, he's raced locally, races locally as well, so we're chatting to him. And then after eight, Baz McCullum. We spoke to him earlier, Sammy, the skip, the coach, the Bears, he hasn't changed one bit, mate. You think <laughs> what's going on and how much pressure. Yeah. He's still the same old Bears. Well, that's good to He's hear, though. He's still the same That's old good bears. to hear, though, because he you know, obviously is under a lot of pressure, the English. Uh, I, I'd probably liken the English cricket media, Kempi, to the to the Sydney Rugby League media. It's like it doesn't matter how... Especially for cricket. Yeah, how, it doesn't matter how well you've gone in the past. It doesn't matter if you won last year or you won last week. If you do something wrong or you lose a couple games, you just get absolutely publicly crucified in those uh, environments. So, you know, Baz, he's under the pump. Um, Test 3 kicking, you know, getting underway later this week. So I'm very interested to hear from him, lads, and uh, and see how he's tracking, what the mood's like. Resilient. He's resilient, mate. Yep. He like is, there's he's, there's um, a lot going on, but he always looks at the at the bright side, you know, the positive side out of this situation. 2-0 down. What an opportunity, lads, to come back from nowhere mm. and take this out. You know, the confidence that it instills into your squad when you've got a coach like that that doesn't look rattled. It's, it's, it's just great. It's great. And you're going to enjoy his chat after 8 o'clock. And uh, 
Yeah, look, the Sashes series is well and truly like even made you a supporter, Kempi. A hundred percent. Bez has made me. Bez has made me a supporter. You know, I, like I was, I've I've followed cricket. Um, the T Twenty I like. The one day is you know I I don't mind, but Test cricket I've been like you know not a massive supporter of Test cricket, but. Bears, I think what um, Bears ball has really done, and just the way that they attack Test cricket, it, it's invigorated um, people to watch it, you know what I mean? So people watch it and go, well, don't really know what's going on. And I can actually understand what Peterson and them are saying when they go, well, it's just not Ashes, you know. We've got to play these type of games. And, and the, you boys mentioned it yesterday. Why didn't they play it out and, and, and the mindset to play it for a draw and go in 1-0 down as opposed to two nil down. Well, Baz ain't like that, and I lo- and I love that. You know, like, can you imagine you got a chance to win? Um, if you're playing as you're playing an all black game, I'm playing in a Kiwi game, and the winners on the line, and you t- turn to your mate and say, "Oh, let's just kick the ball out." You know, mm. let's kick the ball out and have a have a hot shower. Nah, like, hell no. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> that was the one chance, reason I mate. I dislike Test cricket. Because they go five days and then the day left and these batters were just batting down the hatches and block out for a day. It was just like painful to watch. So, mate, I, I love watching England play because either, either way you're going to get a result. Win or lose, that's just the way they, they do. But they play the I game. Actually, I've actually been to Headingley because Headingley was my home ground. So I've actually I got invited to an Ashes Test match at Headingley. Um, and I wasn't really a big, you know, I'm the Richard Hadley Chris Kens type era, you know, Lance Kens, uh, Chris Kens' father, that type of era watching cricket, um, Smithy in the, at, at the back of the wicket, you know what I mean? So, but when I was playing, I got invited to a Headingley to an Ashes game. Well, I had to go to the pub because I couldn't see the ball. It was going that fast down the wicket. I was going, what are we watching? <laughs> These guys were rocking it, at, rocketing it down. So we said, look, oh mate, let's let's go up the road and watch it on telly. You know, we can see it see it clearer up there. We can't actually see it from the box. So um, it's a beautiful spot up there, Headingley. Uh, I've just flicked my mate a, a text up there. There's a pub around the corner called Skyrack. Sent Baz around there. Sent Baz a message. Said, mate, get around the corner there. There's a pub. It's walking distance from Headingley. It's called the Skyrack. Same guy's owned it with his Irish wife for oh, well, it's 30 years since I've been there. So. Um, and he's heading up there for a bit of a wine. Uh, Fletcher will look after him, no doubt. <laughs> oh, epic. There's probably a lot of pubs around Headingley as well, Kimpy, just quietly. Uh, probably every street corner has one. But, uh, boys, uh, we, we, uh, me and uh, Keza were scheming actually this morning talking about the Melbourne Cup, and it fits perfectly uh, into our can't wait question of the day. Can't wait question of the day. Okay, so um, we, let's put together a little bit of a shortlist here. The the greatest trophy of all time, and not necessarily. Well, I, I guess the history comes into it, but just in terms of the iconicness of a trophy. Now, you know, personally, like the Super Rugby trophy does absolutely nothing for me. But was it the was it the Tri Nations dagger, the the one that they accidentally made it too big? They like they put it in inches instead of centimeters or something, and so it ended up just being this massive, ginormous cup. And I th- I'm pretty sure we still have it somewhere because they, it was like a one off thing that they made. So uh, throw a couple, <laughs> throw a throw a couple out there. What springs to mind when you think iconic sporting trophies? Oh, uh, I've got uh, the Bledisloe is one of the first ones that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the one between Australia and New Zealand, but the Open, 
the Open Trophy. Yeah, the, the jug. I think for, for golf, the jug, Claret Jug, that's one that really st- uh, stands out. The America's Cup Trophy. Ooh, yeah, that's a great one. Mm. Kempe? Jeez, uh, a Challenge Cup Trophy. I think that's a, if you're a rugby league person going to England, you'd always wanted to, to lift that one. Mate, the Rugby League World Cup is a, a story in itself. That was found in a gutter. Um, in France, I think it was. It was won and, and then it was lost and a, and a guy found that trophy in the gutter and they, and they polished it up and re uh, sort of redone it. And uh, as you know, we, we won it in 2008. Tell you a quick story, Sammy. I had to take it around the country and I was meant to take it to a police station every night and lock it up at a police station. Well, I used to take just pull it out of the pull it out of the boot and put it in my room and <laughs> shut the door and thought, if anyone wants to come and try and take the World Cup off me, they can. They're gonna have a hell of a fight on their hands. Um, did you have it in your bed with you, Kimpy? Oh did, mate, it's massive, honestly. Um, it'd be like having it lie next to Izzy, to be honest, it's that big. <laughs> yeah, just wrap your arms around it, keep you nice and uh, keep you nice and warm. Uh, no, no debate for me, boys, and probably no surprise to you as well. The Stanley Cup, it's just yeah. uh, the most iconic North American sports trophy because the problem with the NBA and the NFL is that they remake that trophy every year. So you can just yeah. have the same, you know, you have six of them in your cabinet and they all just do the same remake every year. But the Stanley Cup, um, mm. obviously it's been around for over 100 years. It's massive. They just keep adding rings to it whenever the, the other ones run out. Um, and the, they, they take one off, they put it in the Hall of Fame Museum, they add another one on. Um, yeah, it's just incredible. And everyone gets their name engraved from the, from the uh, players to the, the guy who looks after the water bottles and the sticks. So every player, every mm. person at the organisation gets their, their name engraved. So... That's an easy one for me. But I can't stand a cup. I can't stand a cup that you can't have a drink out of. Yeah. What are they thinking? Yeah. No, it's not a, it's not a cup, <laughs> is know? it? It's just a trophy. It's, <laughs> not, a, it's not a cup. <laughs> Jeepers. What was the, what's, what's the Bledisloe one, Izzy? How many um, Steinies did it, did it fit in it? That's the old uh, trivia question at the oh, pub. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I don't even know it, but I think it was about 20. Yeah, okay. 20, 20, uh, 20 beers of Steinlager. Used to used to fit into it, maybe more. It's it's a it's a lot. It's actually once it's full, it is so heavy oh, yeah. to lift up and have a drink out of. So you need actually someone to accompany you. But uh, it's always yeah, it's always nice to drink out of the bleeders though. But there's some um, messages coming through: FA Cup, America's Cup, Stanley Cup. Keep them coming through. That is our can't wait question of the day. There are plenty of trophies, cups out there. That gets you going, and with a lot of history behind them, the Stanley Cup, that is definitely one of them, America's Cup, plenty. Keep those messages coming through, I can't wait, question of the day. We're going to shoot off, we'll come back, and we'll read a couple of these messages out, and we've got a big couple of hours ahead of us. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back. It's 6.30 here on a Tuesday morning. We're talking trophies. We're talking cups. And there's some memories out there that are flooding through the text machine. Keep those coming through. Have you had any photos with some famous historical trophies or cups? Let us know on double eight double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Here's one from someone in Auckland. What does a Super Rugby Cup look like? Can't remember seeing it. That is from Craig in Auckland. Craig, <laughs> Craigy, Craig. <laughs> Don't start, Craig, because I haven't heard from Ken in over three weeks. 
Jen, oh. time's passed, buddy. Please, I don't want to lose you to the show. Oh, mate. I won't bring it up. I promise, Ken. Just keep those messages coming through. <laughs> and uh, one more here, lads. Morena, boys. Izzy, only one cup for me, mate. The Madison Trophy. The Madison Trophy is the great Hawks Bay Club Trophy. HBRFU, Premier Grade winners. Go the Mighty Maroons. Taradale Marshy and the Hawks Bay. Keep those messages coming through. We've got some headlines coming up with Sammy Hewitt. He'll keep us up to date. But before then... Get over to Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty-seven minutes away from seven. Born to run, or if you can't be, you're born to run away. Uh, headlines now with uh, Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass, uh, boys. The Philippines. Um, they're in a little bit of hot water at the moment. A little non-sports-related headline for you. Um, outrage at their tourism agency after they put together a little ad advertising the holiday destination. The only problem is they use the old stock footage uh, of a beach in Brazil and some sand dunes in uh, in Dubai. <laughs> and what? someone's picked up on it saying, hey, that ain't the Philippines, that's, that's bloody Brazil. So um, the tourism oh, agency's no. in a lot of trouble. A little bit of false advertising. It actually made me think, boys, if there's a, a destination that really disappointed you when you went overseas, something that you saw the photos of and thought, oh, man, I'd love oh. to go there. And then when you got there and you're like, actually, this isn't that great. <laughs> there's nothing really standing out at the moment, but... Uh, Thailand, maybe? <laughs> yeah, Thailand didn't live yeah, up Thailand. to expectations. Uh, it's a good place. But the beach uh, looked a lot purer on the, um, <laughs> on the photo. In yeah, the, photos. The, the, photo, <laughs> the photoshop made it look a little bit whiter. Kempe, uh, yeah. what about that trip to the Maldives? Was that, did it live up to expectations? No, no mate, Maldives, beautiful. Uh, one, one to Mallorca once, a letter, I went with um, a couple of Aussie mates and one of the Aussie boys, uh, he booked the trip and... We got to the hotel, mate, and it was like, oh, it was, yeah. you know, something you'd book yourself a new sample. Um, and then well, we, get uh, back, we get back to England and we're, we're watching the telly and it comes on one of those fair go programs, like, don't book this hotel. <laughs> we just, just, just spent a week there. Gee, yeah, always nah. a hotel room, mate. Yeah. They always get you with the hotel rooms. You walk in and you go... Mm, that stench. Yeah. Gee, that <laughs> reminds me of that. She reminds me of that hotel room they put me up in when we went down to Palmy a couple of months ago. Uh, staff, oh. uh, we did an OB down there, and yeah, look, I think it was a last minute booking from uh, from SENZ. I don't want to bag uh, the, the booking team or Hutchie or anyone, but uh, Jeepers. Oh, I think I was on the same hotel. Yeah, yeah. Well, Is that right by Burger King there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's got um, it's got it's almost got the prison bars over the windows, which is oh, that's your red stench. flag as soon as you walk in. Oh, stains on the on the couches and the the bed. Anyway, uh, another one here for you, uh, boys. The name Shohei Otani. Does that mean, ring any bells in your head? Baseball, mate. Yes. Oh, Anaheim Angels. Yep. Come on. Yeah. Kempe, uh, this this fellow Shohei Otani, absolute superstar, right? Comes out of Japan, um, and there were comparisons between him and Babe Ruth because um, he is a phenomenal pitcher as well as uh, a batter. And uh, so he's hit a, uh, he's hit his thirty first home run this season, but he's also struck out you know hundred plus batters or whatever it might be. And there were comparisons to him at Babe Ruth. Well, now they're saying. Screw Babe Ruth. This guy is, is the only Shohei Otani. They, they're calling him the best, the greatest baseball player of all time. He's just made um, the All Star game for the third straight year, um, 
as a two-way player, so he gets picked as both a pitcher and a batter. He's that good. He's an all-star in both categories for the third straight year in a row, and he's the only person to ever get selected as a two-way player for the all-star game. He's now done it three years in a row. Um, so, look, it, it, it's primetime baseball. I actually saw a tweet from, um, from, from an account that said, um, I don't even care if you, don't, if you don't even like baseball. This guy should be on every television vision set free to wear every night so that can, kids can witness history because they reckon he's that special. It's good. Isn't he in the contract Pani. negotiations? Is Isn't he? he in contract negotiations? Gee, yeah, he can and, get whatever he wants. And, <laughs> and apparently, apparently so his agent went back to him with a contract worth over half a billion. Not enough. Not enough. Well, it was well, something astronomical. Right. Well, the, ML, the MLB contracts are, are freakishly large. You know, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars You know, over, over five or six years or whatever. So his one... Oh, it's going to be eye-watering. There'll be a point where, where a guy gets a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Like they're talking half a, half a bill, like you said. There will be a time where guys are asking for a billion billion bucks. What a name, too. Showtime. Yeah, Showtime Otani. Yeah, that's epic. Anyway, boys, uh, those are your uh, your headlines for for this hour. Trades and builders, uh, traders and builders, power your business with uh, Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And I think uh, I'm just looking out of here. I think uh, we might have the Melbourne Cup. In the studios here, boys. So uh, I Can might. Can you see it? Oh, Can you see no, it? Not yet, but there's, there's a case. There's a case. So uh, I might just have to duck out and uh, have a wee look see. All right, you go have a wee look see. Make sure you put those gloves on and we'll rip into Quizzy Dag because we've got Quizzy Dag coming up. It's your time to give us a call 0800 150 811 if you want to take on the Quizmaster Kempi. Is your clue master if you get a wee bit stuck? So give us a call now. We've got a cookie time, cookie gift pack up for grabs today. I know many of you want to be dipping some cookie times in your morning cup of tea or coffee. So give us a call 0800-150-811 and take on me, the quiz master. No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lines ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 hey. Yes, 0800. 150811 cookie time prize pack up for grabs. Kimpy, you'd be a cookie time cookie, man, wouldn't cookie. you? Cookie, you cookie. cookie monster. <laughs> I tell you what, I got up here. I got up here the other day, and I looked in the cupboard. And I forgot that I bought. You know, one of those where you get those cookies in a bag, and I'd snuck mm-hmm. that into the, into the into the shopping, and it was in that cupboard. So I've hammered those. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you have. There's nothing better than a big double chockey cookie time when you're playing golf just to get you through that last nine hole stretch. And uh, no, many of you out there would love a wee cookie time. So 0800 to take on me, the quiz master, and you can win yourself a cookie time prize pack. Gift pack. Here we go. Lammy, P North. Oh. Good morning. Oh, morning, boys. How are you? Good. I'm good. You'd be a cookie time man, wouldn't you? Oh, now nah, but my vintage though, bro. Every time I go to the shop, they want a cookie time biscuit, brother. I'm just going, oh. because he's the money. That's why I go to the <laughs> people and so win the cookie joke. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right, mate. Let's get your grandkids some cookies, all right? So good luck. Here we go. Question number one. Dennis Shapovalov is a tennis player from which country? Oh, Canada, I think, brother. Canada is correct. Wow. Well done, Lambie. Question number two. Yeah. Who is Good currently boy. number one on the men's golf rankings? Scotty Scheffler is correct. Lambie's on a heater. He is hungry for a cookie monster. Question number three. Which two teams did the All Blacks lose to in last year's rugby championship? Well, Argentina was one, I think. Uh, Australia. Oh, no. No, 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 it wasn't no, Australia. No, no. It wasn't no, Australia, no, no, let no. me. No, no, no. Your poor grandkids would have to wait another day. Brett from Huntley, morning. Is for cookie. Oh, uh, Morena, <laughs> Morena, Morena. That work, that uh, work, box. smoker room would love some, love some cookie times. The box <laughs> and and Aussies and crosses. Beautiful. There he is, South African Argentina. Question number four. When was the last time a team won state of origin with a clean sweep? Eighteen. Uh, no, not 2018. Sorry, Brett from Huntley. Have a good day, brother. Ants from Green Bay. Morning, Ants. When was the last time a team won the State of Origin with a clean sweep? Hey, 19 is incorrect. No, you're way Sorry, off. Ants. You're way off. Have a good day, brother. Appreciate it. Nick from Wellington. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. 2000 and what, sorry? 16 is 16. incorrect. Sorry, Nick. No, it's not 16. Apologies. Have a good day. 0800-150-811. Still some spots available if you want to have a crack. Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hey there, Mike. Yo, I'm here. Yo, yo, yo. You're just breaking up a wee bit. When was the last time a team won State of Origin with a clean sweep? Uh, 2010. 2010 is correct. Question number five. How many supercar championships has Shane Van Gisbergen won? Ooh, uh, four. <laughs> four is incorrect. Sorry, See, Mike. Yes, for cooking. Have a good day, mate. <laughs> Uh, Ed from Tolaga. You had three, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Ed. Some cookie times hey. coming your way, hey, brother. You. You'd love a cookie time, yeah. Hey, is, um, talking about those shields, when we played mm. for Api Crawford Shield up in Tolaga Bay, Api Crawford was a yeah. Māori All Black in like 1926 or something. Anyway, mm. bro, I got the offload. Johnny Brown, he scored the try under the post. Uh, we were playing Horota from town. And we won the game. And then uh, up his grandson, Gilman Crawford, we got on the square gyms all night. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that end up? Yo, that's messy. 
<laughs> lots of tears. Uh, lots of tears. Lots of historical trophy shields that played uh, in the regions, mate. Uh, Eds, well done. You got some cookie times coming your way, brother. And uh, thanks for that Come message on, coming through on uh, double eight double three. There you go. Keep those messages coming through. And just one quickly before we shoot off. Tell Craig to send us his address. This is from Tim in Christchurch. We have a few spare super trophies down here. We'll send him one. <laughs> oh, Timmy. You're still waiting for Good your $200, you, bottle of, $200 bottle of scotch from, uh, from Ken, aren't you, Timmy? <laughs> oh, beautiful. And just one more before we shoot off. Morena boys, rumour is that SVG is off to the States at the end of the year. He has confirmed the magic he has and Trackhouse, who run Project 91 team, have a five-year plan to win a NASCAR race with Giz at the helm. Get up the Kiwis. That is from Joe. And Joe from Gizzy, he's always, he's close to all the action. He's in the know. So wouldn't be surprised if SVG shoots off. He's done everything here. Three supercar titles. Well, what's, there more, what's more to do for SVG? Well, coming up, we're going to chat to his best mate, Andrew Waite, later on in the 7 o'clock hour. But coming up, Love Racing with Tony Kemp. Stay at events.loveracing.nz. And NZTA came out with a, another announcement yesterday. Um, who are thrilled that TAB New Zealand has announced a further funding to New Zealand's racing codes over the 2023 uh, 24 season. NZTR Cameron George had a chat to him yesterday, loved the off the back fence, uh, commented on the announcement. We would like to thank Chairman Mark Stewart, his board and management, for making this decision. In essence, the additional funding comes in two forms. Both have at this stage a one year horizon. $15 million has been introduced into code annual funding, taking the total for the 23-24 season now to $185 million. From TAB New Zealand has announced that from next year the Racing Integrity Board will no uh, longer be funded out of Class 4 gaming, which is a good, good news, but instead from TAB New Zealand Revenue and Reserves, and in doing so they have created a $15, uh, $15 million contestable fund for applications under TAB New Zealand's racing authorised purpose. You will recall that in December 2022, following the announcement by TAB New Zealand to reduce funding by $15 million, NZTA board and management agreed to use accumulated reserves to maintain stakes funding for the remaining of the 22-23 season. Today's announcement allows NZTA board and management to conduct an ongoing review of its current funding commitment for industry initiatives during the 23-24 racing season, said George. NZTR's recent announcement with regards to stakes, club funding and other initiatives for 23-24 season demonstrates confidence and commit, uh, committed mindset from board and management to inspire and grow the industry in a planned and sustainable manner for generations to enjoy. And they are doing such a good job in there, Cam mm. George and Bruce Sherrick, with the, uh, the way that they've grabbed hold of racing in New Zealand over the last two, uh, 12 months. I look forward to watching that uh, over the next 12 months because with all that added funding going into the game, it's good not only for people who are in racing and uh, own horses and trainers and that, but also for the people on the sidelines. We're going to also head over to Brisbane where Robbie Patterson is relying on Secret more to crown an astounding season for his Taranaki stable. The trainer is uh, really happy over there at the start of the season. He thought he'd only get 25 winners. He's up to 50 at the moment and thinks he can uh, build on that with Secret or more. Um, so we're wishing Robbie all the best over there in, uh, in Queensland. I know we'll probably pass 
um, pars down in Christchurch is on the uh, 5th of August when we bring down our boy Jam to race in the Winter Cup. I'm looking forward to that um, as well. That's uh, our Love Racing update. Uh, you can remember, grab your mates and go on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Beautiful, Kempe. Great initiative and great uh, work from there, from the NZTR Bruce Sherrick, Cameron George, doing good things for the game and sport of racing. Love it. And speaking of racing, Melbourne Cup coming up. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. ago he was number 185 in the world and now back on top Ricky Fowler with his sixth career win what an opportunity you, you want to be as I keep saying you want to be tested against the best you want to see where you're at you don't want things to be easy you know easy not that's not that's not where the value is Right, Melbourne Cup. Keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Many a winners coming through on the text machine. It's so good. First Tuesday, November 2015. Cloudy day. 24 pairs combined. Stable fit for winners. With winners getting first pick and losers 24th. Bad golf equals 19th pick. But my number one pick still available. Princess Payne riding Prince of Penzance. 350 each. Via golf tourney and $10 each way at TAB for over 800 bucks. That is from Ants. My kids picked the first four in 2012 when Green Moon won, beating Fiorentine, Fiorentine and Jackalberry. And Jackalberry, we picked six horses. And my pick is still running low. We collected 6K <laughs> off $200 bet. Oh, Joey, you don't need it. You had a big weekend to boot, mate. You're constantly winning. But that's right. In studio, joined... Sammy Hewitt is, he's in some special company, Sammy. 
Oh. Tell me, what does it look like, mate? What's it like standing <laughs> I tell you right what, now? It, it, it's almost hurting my eyes how shiny it is. Um, no <laughs> fingerprints on it whatsoever. And uh, you know, they've brought up the gloves as well. Just, you know, they brought up a whole bunch of pairs just for the people that do want to touch it. I don't even know if I want to touch it, boys. It's too it's too sort of revered. But, uh, no, it is a great uh, great pleasure to have uh, the Melbourne Cup in studio with us today as part of its, uh, as part of its tour. And uh, the keeper of the Cup as well, uh, Joe McGrath, who's uh, sitting in uh, alongside me. Joe, welcome, welcome in. Thank you, thank you for having me, and uh, great to be here. Yeah, so uh, the cup. Tell us firstly just about exactly what we're looking at right there. What's it made of? How, well, what's the history behind it? I've in terms of a, yeah. just having a chat with Charlotte outside about uh, we make a new one every year, and we actually take possession one year and one week out from the race. Uh, so it's it's eighteen karat gold. It's made by ABC Bullion in Sydney. Takes about two hundred and fifty hours to make, and. We're actually uh, wow. fast into production on the 2024 Cup. So uh, we take possession of it. We tour it. Uh, it's got to make its way to Flemington on the first Tuesday in November. And after the race is run and won, the owner takes the trophy takes away. away. And that's your job to look after that for the next couple of months. It must well, be a lot of pressure. Well, that's uh, that's the interesting bit because we all walk around with gloves. It's 18 karat gold. It's very you know precious metal. As you can imagine, it's valued at six hundred thousand Australian dollars. And then once the race is run and won, you've got people running around with no gloves, beer, wine, <laughs> a whole range of things, champagne put in the cup, and you just have to turn your head away. It's yeah. uh, quite bizarre on that front. And and you, it's part of a, a tour. You do take it around. Um, where, whereabouts do you go? Is it just Australia and New Zealand, or you go over the world? Well, it's actually seven countries this year, uh, and. Uh, it's been, it started off in Japan. Uh, it's in New Zealand, of course, Australia. It'll make its way to Hong Kong, uh, England, Ireland, France. Uh, yeah, there's, there's seven countries. Yeah, so we, we go through a tender process at the start of the year, get a lot of applications from across the globe, sift through them, look how uh, the strength of the submissions, and then plot a bit of a course. And we launched on the 6th of June, 41 destinations, seven countries. And uh, we're pretty much, uh, I think we're in the, the third leg, I would suggest, of the tour. And, and uh, we go back to uh, Melbourne on Thursday and a new team will head off to South Australia to Adelaide, uh, Balaclava, Port Augusta and a place called Corn. So uh, they put in a submission, which was pretty strong. And um, let's see what they've got to present. Yeah, fantastic. Joe McGrath going around the world in business class with a Melbourne Cup. Get wow, on, yeah. get on. And, a, and, a, and a, I guess it all ends up back at Melbourne. Uh, Joe, just tell us, Gold Trip last year, very elegant the year before. What's been the greatest experience with the Melbourne Cup for you? Make, make Mediva with its three wins, might and power. What, what, what would you think? And, of course, I can't leave out Bart Cummings and his 12 wins. What would you uh, regard as your best ever Melbourne Cup moment? Well, I think the best ever Melbourne Cup, Melbourne, and look, I grew up in racing, and uh, so I've got a, a strong appreciation and, and certainly an appreciation for the history of the race uh, and certainly the, the story around Farlap back in 1930, uh, born in Timaru on the South Island of New Zealand in a tent, um, strong, uh, you know, tall, Sounds lanky, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, skinny, <laughs> tall, no one wanted him. Very familiar he, for you, Kimpy. Runs last at his first start and <laughs> blossoms into this Adonis. I think that's a that's a story which and a, you know it, it really does uh, touch the hearts and minds. But I suppose a personal story was in 1993 as a, a young person working at the VRC and 
having to pick up a couple of jockeys from the uh, from the airport in Melbourne. Uh, one Mick Canaan and another one Frankie Dettori. Uh, and drive them around nice. in my in my little Honda Civic, which I'm sure they were really impressed with. But um, <laughs> uh, and that fit. And uh, Mick Canaan, of course, rode uh, Vintage Crop, uh, which won the race. Didn't speak for three days for, while I drove him around. He had another minder with him, and Frankie Dettori couldn't couldn't shut him up. And he was about 18 <laughs> at the time, and uh, he was riding a horse called Drum Taps. Of course, the Irish won with Vintage Crop, and uh, as soon as they won and they backed it to uh, Mick started to find a voice. So uh, <laughs> it was an interesting experience driving them around Melbourne for a few days. So per- from a personal point of view, that um, was quite memorable. Joe, as he here, mate, appreciate you coming into the studio. I'm absolutely gutted I'm not there. But, mate, the keeper of the cup, can you just give us a little lead into what that involves, you know? Like when you're carrying this cup that's got so much history around it's valued at astronomical amount of money 600,000 like what goes through your mind and what what security that kind of has to go through to carry this cup to be the keeper well I think from a security point of view if we're running public events we'll certainly uh, have security I think our insurers more worried about um, the the (laughs) prospects of the cup than I think most people you know, uh, hold it in, in, in high regard and, and the respect is, is is there. Certainly from a keeper of the cup point of view, I did, never sort of uh, aspired for this job necessarily. And I, I, I did say to our chairman at one point, I said, I, I did put on seek.com to see whether or not there was another keeper of the cup out there, but um, no, such, uh, no such opportunities there. But look, I'm very fortunate and, uh, you know, love what I do. Uh, grew up in racing, uh, bookmaking, breeding and I suppose my sweet spot is 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 sort of around the the knowledge base of of uh, horse racing. Uh, it's a fascinating game for those who've who've been in it. Um, you know, it's down in Cambridge the last couple of days, and you know, been to Trelawney Stud, one of the great studs, only yesterday, where seven Melbourne Cup winners came off the property. Uh, Cambridge itself has fourteen Melbourne Cup winners, and of course, New Zealand's had forty four out of. 162 <laughs> Melbourne Cup. So, look, you know, that historical side of it, and it's a pretty, it can be a heartbreaking sort of game for those who breed horses and race them. But when you do get a horse that's good enough to rise to the top and uh, make its way to Flemington on the first Tuesday in November, I think for those who are involved, it's um, like climbing the top of the biggest mountain, I think. Mm. 25% chance of winning if it's a Kiwi horse. What about the Kiwis, Joe? You know, you've got James McDonald, you've got Waller, and of course you've got Bumper Cassidy that rode Kiwi to that fantastic win. How how good are the Kiwis when it comes to the Melbourne Cup, and what's it like coming to New Zealand to show that cup off? Well, I often say that I think New Zealanders, you know, do feel that they have quite a lot of stake in the game in terms of the Melbourne Cup, and you know, that Melbourne Cup history, it, it, the first New Zealand bred horse goes back to 1883 with a horse called Martini Henry. As you say, very elegant in only the last couple of years. Walla, uh, James McDonald. I mean, look, you know, they're the uh, uh, equal of any uh, in, anywhere in the world. So, look, I think we were very fortunate to see a couple of prospective runners in the last 24 hours. One in particular, Sharp and Smart, uh, who... Uh, is heading to Melbourne. Hopefully he uh, he finds his way to Flemington. And uh, Graham Rogerson, who's no stranger to Melbourne Cup success with Efficient back in 2007. So, look, they're very hard to beat. 
Tell us about why um, it's important to you to take the cup around. You mentioned some of these uh, places that make submissions and you have a look at that. And so what are you, I guess, judging them on and why is it important? And what's the purpose of, I guess, taking this not only around Australia and New Zealand but around the world as well? Well, I mean, obviously there's a, a, there's a promotional element to it, you know, in promoting the Melbourne Cup. And I think with any uh, event, anyone's running a global event, you've got to compete and you need to put uh, uh, your name and face or the face of the club out in, into the public domain. Uh, the Cup is one thing. There's the stories connected with the race. And you mentioned Pumper Cassidy. I mean, he comes on the road and, and, and talks about the Melbourne Cup. Uh, but, look, I think that... Um, you know, getting it out there to, you know, it is about community engagement and, and the Cup will go back to Melbourne on Wednesday night, make its way to South Australia, as I said. And, but they'll be, you know, going to schools, hospitals, aged care. There'll be fundraising activities. There, you know, there's quite a lot going on in that space that um, provides community engagement. There's a lot of parts of Australia that's been affected by flood, fire, mm. COVID, uh, drought, a range of different things. And you know, really does uplift the spirits. It's it's a cultural icon, certainly in Australia, and uh, getting it out to communities really lifts the spirits. What's uh, do you stops have any a, stops a nation? Yeah, do you have any um, I guess stories of um, instances where things got a little bit hairy? Maybe it was dropped, or uh, someone did lay a hand <laughs> on it without the glove. Well, surely you've got a couple of stories from over the years. Oh, do I? Um, <laughs> I? I said I'll, I'll have full disclosure on that last day that I hand over to the next keeper of the cup. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Maccabi Divas was an interesting year because uh, I think it might have uh, hit the deck somewhere. But um, <laughs> fortunately, not on our watch. But I um, oh, look, there's a couple. I think the uh, we've had a pretty good run touch woods so far. But I'll, I'll get back to you on that yeah, one. Yeah, sure. That okay? okay. Yeah, no, it's probably confidential as well, Kimby. <laughs> Yeah, no, keep that, keep that to yourself, Joe, and don't worry about Sammy. He tries to get all the bully on you so he can talk about you after you leave the leave the building. <laughs> hey, um, let me just let me just tell you about the effect on it on the cup. Um, for me, Joe, I've been to the the cup uh, since the the mid nineties um, through the early two thousands and and seen it just grow in stature. And it was a real big race for. A sh- like I said, stopped the nation and it was a battle between Australia and New Zealand to see who could win the cup. But these days it's changed, hasn't it? Everyone around the world wants to come down to the 3,200 metre first day on Tuesday and win that cup. Just tell us about the global impact uh, this cup has had on the world. Well, I think I think racing in particular, I mean, the world has got uh, very small in terms of certainly the sport of racing. Uh, we've just had Royal Ascot uh, two weeks ago. It's coming up to the York Festival and the Cup will go over there as well. Uh, you know, it is an international playing field of Hong Kong, Dubai, Breeders' Cup in the US. And uh, look, I think, you know, the importance of... I think uh, certainly in Australia, the the, the Cup is a, a cultural icon, which, as I, I mentioned last night at an event, it, it goes back to the, the gold rush in the 1860s. And I suppose it's been there, it's been a constant as... Australia has uh, developed its own personality and I suppose it's it's a protected sort of species in, in our country to an extent that, I don't know, it's a cultural icon and, and we value it and I think uh, internationally other people say, well, you must value it pretty highly, it must be worth winning. So, look, it's, it's attracted the attention of um, people all around the world. I, I think probably the handicap conditions are probably something that in Europe 
they're not really used to having your best race as a handicap horse race. But, um, uh, you know, they have a lot of set weights races and weight for age, which is uh, sort of championship type racing. So it's a unique race and it's um, certainly attracted the attention of um, trainers, owners, jockeys all around the world. I forgive, I, I forgive Sam. He's a little bit nervous at the moment, Joe, but he's, he's just wondering if he was able to put the gloves on and be able to pick up the trophy and have a wee, yeah, have we we do hold it, Should we do it live on air, trophy? should we? He's handing the can gloves over to me. Can we do it live, please, Joe? Yeah, we can. Okay, so what... Uh, Talk us through it. Yeah, so everyone has to put gloves on, obviously. Well, that's right, and a lot of people sort of uh, think it's a bit of a gimmicky thing, but actually it's, it is 18 karat gold. Oil's on people's hands, but I probably would Ooh. suggest the the rings on people's hands. Rings, are, you know, right. like there's a... You know, some people have got a three and four, I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> and, and as we move the cup around... Seven countries, uh, 41 destinations. There's going to be a few people, uh, I don't know, got little kids with Vegemite sandwiches or True. I don't know, whatever else. But, <laughs> Do you get a bit nervous, Joe? Do you get a bit nervous when you're, when you're handing the cup over to some random radio host <laughs> to go, you know, put the glove on and, and, and pick it up? He's like, never a special a, way of, like, what, talk him He's through never lifted a cup of his life. Can you explain why I'm breaking out into a sweat now? Yeah. Or what? Is, uh, <laughs> no, is no. that something to do with it? I'm surely there's, sure. um, surely there's, so boys, you can see I've got the glove on, so I'm going to get up. What? Um, okay. You've got to talk us through the, uh, the okay, technique. Okay, Sam, well, you just move slowly towards the trophy, okay? That's the first step, okay? Right. Slowly okay. towards the trophy. Do I bow? Yeah, just come through. No, no genreflection or anything. No, and then the Put your left hand in the middle part and then just lift it up and put your other hand underneath it. Whoa. See, that oh. was pretty. <laughs> didn't have to go through it. Didn't have to do a course to do that. So that was, uh, that was good. Right. I'll see you guys uh, Awesome. <laughs> but I suppose the thing Mate. that a lot of people don't realise, it's 3.8 kilos and it's got 1.65 kilos of 18 wow. karat gold. So I've said to people that you can ha- hold it out in front of you for about 40 seconds and then your arm just, uh, you start to exhaust your muscle. Yes, because I... Then you have to tip it. Yeah, because I, um, <laughs> yeah, Kimby, Kimby was about to say, and he's actually spot on there, I don't mind saying that I've never lifted a trophy like that in my life. Um, I'm used to the plastic ones that you get for being player of the day on a Saturday morning. <laughs> It's heavy, boys. It's got a lot of weight to it. And uh, and look, the word we use probably over here is mana. You can almost feel it when you're holding it. Mm. You know, it's oh, got, it's just something to it. So, uh, yeah, you, you should be jealous, boys. You should be jealous. I am so <laughs> jealous right now. Oh, that is so cool. Um, Joe, just, just – oh, this might be a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So you win it, you get that trophy. Yes, you do. And that tr- trophy is yours. If you're a lucky winner of the Melbourne Cup, I'm good friends with a couple of the owners from Very Elegant, so I, I know exactly what that trophy went through in Herne Bay one night. So um, <laughs> once it's yours, it's yours to keep. Well, it is, and um, I mean, people have turned up, and I suppose social media is the the, the the sort of leveler in this this game in terms of uh, it appears everywhere and anywhere, and and you'll get a past winner of a cup, and all of a sudden. Someone's holding the, you know, from two or three years ago, and someone internally says, there's no one holding it with a glove. And I'm going, well, we actually don't own it anymore. So it's uh, not ours to, to sort of worry about. But, yeah, they, they get to, to keep it. And, you know, no doubt with a, a, a number of um, connections with that have an interest in the cup, uh, a lot of them like to get replicas, a smaller version, and we can accommodate that. But last year, Gold Trip... Uh, there was a number of owners, and they they re auctioned it 
amongst the ownership group on Good Friday up in Sydney, and it um, realised eight hundred thousand dollars between the ownership well, group wow. um, because wow. not one particular person necessarily owned it. They wanted to auction up between the the ownership group, and uh, and that's what it uh, peaked at eight hundred thousand. Oh. So look, it's uh, but we will make a, a smaller version, which is a. You know, like a sterling silver with a, a gold plating, um, which is a, a lot cheaper to make than uh, hmm. a $600,000 trophy. Oh, that's awesome. It's so good to have it in studio and have you here as well. Uh, Joe, we're, what, uh, four four months away, boys? So uh, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about that uh, for the rest of the year. Absolutely cannot wait. Sharp and smart. Get on. There you go. What Can have we got? What have we got, Joe? Who's going to win it? Yeah, Joe, why don't you throw well, us a tip? Well, I think... Uh, well, I think Graham Rogerson has got a, a, a good horse uh, in Sharp and Smart. Right, look, I think it's still a little bit early for mine. I mean, certainly the European horses, the York Festival sort of throws up a couple of interesting runners over there. And uh, look, it's just a little bit to play out for mine, um, but certainly European horses seem to have a bit of a, a handle on uh, or a stronghold on the situation. But uh, we'll see what happens White in the Marlin? next... White Marlin? Yeah, White Marlin. I think he... He sort of, uh, I thought he might have, um, he left a little bit to be desired at his last start at Flemington. He yeah. sort of, uh, he went around short price. Went too late. early. Went a fraction too early. He's a good horse. Mm. Gay Waterhouse is uh, training. But look, there's horses that show they're going to be the next big thing. And uh, as it gets closer to the day, um, if they don't come up. But I, I do remember very elegant on, on that cup day when she won. And I remember looking around and she won nine group ones before she won the cup. Looking at it, and she just looked like a the most relaxed prize fighter going out. And I thought, gee, this looks a bit ominous. You know, <laughs> this horse is, you know, it's done it, been there before, and it just went out. And James McDonald won it twenty to one. So, yeah, yeah cream rises to the top. I think. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, Joe, great to have you in here. Great to have the Melbourne Cup in here as well. Got lots of texts coming in on double two. So, uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks, guys. There you go. Uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast uh, here on SENZ. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. We'll go take some photos, and we'll be back in a moment. Blast away plug with the Colgate Blast Cordless Water Flosser from Chemist Warehouse, now just $99.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. With the introduction of a new format for the All Blacks in 2026, one has to think what this would mean for the game here in New Zealand before anything else. Whilst the fight for the media rights and corporate dollar continues to evolve, as we are seeing with this new tournament, one would have to wonder how the NZR intend to also evolve a dying game here in New Zealand. Yes, it's great to have more internationals for the All Blacks, but how long Will the All Blacks be a potent force in world rugby if the NPC, club and college rugby continue to decline? Common sense says that you can't have a potent All Black team without it. So where to for the NZR? I've seen rugby league become a shell of its former game over the last 30 years where the governing body merely looks at international football as its bread and butter. Is the NZR heading down the same track? One thing is for sure, if the NZR don't work on securing its pathways and game here in New Zealand, then I can see a bleak future for the All Blacks going forward. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. It's worrying times, isn't it, Kempe? Um, obviously, under-20s, seeing what the North is doing at the moment over in the North, they are dominating our Southern 
Hemisphere rivals, and uh, yeah, it's uh, rugby is flourishing over in the north. Uh, looking forward to playing out Steve Hansen. We had him on yesterday for a pre-record, and we'll play that for you tomorrow. He touched on the situation with the game of rugby in New Zealand. Basically, when you're watching Super Rugby and you're watching the NRL, most of the NRL, apart from the weekend's blowout games, are pretty competitive. Got competitive matches throughout. You look at the leaderboard, the ladder, it's well, 24 points through to 12 points. There's a log jam on about 22 points, so it's competitive nature. Super Rugby is competitive to an extent, but basically you're watching the finals, semi-final and the final are probably the most competitive games in that. So for us to flourish, we have to get Super Rugby competitive and how does that look in the future unsure I've spoken about it potentially bringing Japan in and and their club format strengthening up there but the basic crust of it we lost South Africa and that changed the whole dynamic of the way Super Rugby is it is a conversation we'll continue that on after the headlines because I think it's a a good conversation that needs to be had where does New Zealand Rugby go at the moment 2026 with this global competition is great but it is great for the, the the crust the top of the crust for New Zealand rugby. How do we ensure that the pathways at a lower level stays competitive? Super rugby, with it being competitive, does that make NPC decline even more? Heartland club rugby conversations need to be had. We'll come back with some headlines and then we'll rip into a bit more of that conversation. But before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. You've, uh, you've improved your guitar playing overnight, Kempi. Phenomenal That's stuff. That's what happens. That's what happens. One day, you imagine what it's going to sound like in three days. Oh, mate, you'll nothing be... Wrong, uh, nothing wrong with your ears, just you, your eyes. You'll be like Pink Floyd. Um, here's some headlines now for Kennards. Do Kennards make trade easy? Ken Oath. Um, Man United's former masseuse, right? The guy who uh, was with the team for 19 years, a uh, few rub-downs after the game, sorting out the ice baths, etc. played an integral uh, backroom role uh, for the team back when they were winning uh, titles left and right. Well, he's uh, put up on Instagram uh, the winner's medal that he received from the 2012-2013 season for Man United, uh, a Premier League medal. So your chance, if you're interested, to jump on and well. grab yourself a Premier League winner's medal. Um, he sort of said he did it um, almost to take the Mickey at the beginning, he just put it up for mates and sort of said anyone interested and it's gone viral and so now he's genuinely thinking about putting it up for auction. To give you an idea uh, Jose Mourinho back in 2010 uh, threw his winner's medal uh, into the Stamford Bridge crowd, someone claimed it, put it on uh, eBay and it auctioned off for 16,000 euros. So um, decent decent penny there if you are interested in a Premier League uh, winner's medal and uh, another one that came across my desk this morning boys uh, a Louis Vuitton handbag has sold for $64,000 at an auction this week we're talking all things auctions Um, was that Izzy's? No, although it's not it's not your typical um, handbag (laughs) is that the the tiny one? the grain of salt it is the size of a grain of salt it is 657 (laughs) micrometers micrometers By 222 what micrometers, smaller than a grain of salt, uh, and it was supposedly it is to sort of bring light to the fact that we don't need these big handbags full of stuff, which was ironic coming from Louis Vuitton. And welcome news to Tony Kemp that size does not matter. No, I'm quite happy with that because it's about 
it's obviously about the time and you know everything else which you still got plenty of Sammy so you can keep working on that um, oh hey, I just want to go back you two you two it's been pretty good today cut Come it on. out it's been pretty good today <laughs> it is it is it is my mate Sammy here is the best yeah. commentator of rugby league in the country if you haven't heard it then you oh, now, he's, now he's buttering up game. isn't he and uh, yeah, you can listen to me and Sammy. He put, plays a bit part in that conversation. So um, I just want to talk about that that rugby conversation. Is he like I wrote that off the back fence on the back of our conversation mm. with Steve Hansen, and we're going to listen to that tomorrow. But you know, when you you know you're, you're getting on in, in your age and you're you're looking at something and you're going, man, I've seen this all happen before. And I I'm looking at rugby union, and rugby union is at where rugby league was in the early, late 80s, early 90s. So we had, you know, great football at Carlow Park. We had local competitions. We had pathways for all of our our age group football. But there was this competition called the Winfield Cup. Now, mm. it's now taken over. The NRL, they've taken over. And they've tried everything. They had Pacific Cups. They had... Try nations they had try origins they had everything to try and keep this game in New Zealand going well it is a absolute shell of its former self at the moment and I have to say I'm really worried about New Zealand rugby like there's a comment and we'll hear from Steve yesterday about MPC and I just thought man if we lose that tier of rugby union in this country which then trickles down to our club and our colleges I can see it just being a recruitment ground and the recruitment ground would be for all the um, international teams. One, you've got Japan. Two, you've got Europe. Um, and I don't think New Zealand will be able to compete later on. So it's a worrying, it's a worrying trend, my friend, um, if you're looking mm. at where rugby league was in this stage 30 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, eh? Because I was that comment. I can't wait for you to listen to it because he basically said that if Super Rugby is going to thrive and Super Rugby is the competition, the premier competition at the moment, then NPC takes a backward step. And I'm thinking, wow, NPC is a, a genuine pathway to to the next level. And without NPC, these kids don't have a stepping stone. You, you're expecting them to go straight from school rugby straight into the big time. And that's already happening at the moment, Sammy. It's already happening with, with school kids. They're going straight into these academies. So they're constantly skipping uh, the national provincial um, championship. And you think back to when NBC was thriving, Super Rugby players, that was their Super Rugby competition. So it had all the stars playing in it. It was our premier competition. Now we've got Super Rugby. NBC has taken a, a backward step. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult times in the game of rugby. And, and Kempe, you can speak from a league's point of view. The, the way that they've transitioned into it, and Abdo and co over in the NRL, the competition is thriving. But surely they've been through times when it's been trying. So how do how do, what does New Zealand rugby have to do right now to ensure that they can get back to the top? Is it a simple case of throwing NPC out the door and just focusing mainly on Super Rugby, or is Super Rugby our premier? Does that take a back or step and we ensure that the club level, provincial level, is strong? I think the biggest problem, like when you're looking at, at the league model, like the first thing I would do is I'd, I'd do a, a study on it, you know, so I'd get some really smart kids in from university and I'd get them to do a master's on on the, the transition of rugby league. That's the first thing I'd do. And then the second part of it is that they need to understand that um, competition and money is, is going to overtake them. 
mm. you know, and and holding on to your brand and thinking what you've got is the best. Well, you've got to you've got to migrate into what is actually the best. And at the moment, the best is up north and internationally. And I think that transition, what I spoke about with rugby league, I can see it happening. Like we'll go into this competition. Mm. You know, you, you asked what happened. Well, we had a Super League a- ARL war. Um, to try and stop it, it didn't happen, and then all of a sudden, out of that, you get the NRL. And, mate, I can just see, you know, in a forecast where the Northern Hemisphere is running rugby and our, our grounds down here, recruitment grounds for that competition. Um, mm. You know, and then international football pl- is played in a window because the competitions at club level, like you said, with Northern Hemisphere clubs are owning the game. That's that's where I think it's headed. Mm, that's interesting, eh? Keep your messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Reaction to Kempi's off the back fence. We'll park this conversation for now because we're going to go catch up with uh, Andrew Waite, who is best mates with Sean, uh, uh, SVG Shane Van Gisbergen, and he's obviously had a momentous day yesterday. We want to continue that conversation, so we'll shoot off and we'll come back and catch up with Andrew Waite. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, welcome back. It's now time to talk motorsport racing with the birthday boy, Andrew Waite, SVG's best mate. Andrew, good morning. What a birthday present, mate. On debut, getting the job done. How good? Not bad, eh? Not bad. Thanks for having me on. Pretty cool. Um, way to celebrate my birthday yesterday, that's for sure. Mate, talk us through this moment. Debut, first man in 60 years to make his debut and win it in Chicago in the first street race. Yeah, it's pretty cool, really. It's like um, going into the weekend, I remember you know, a few months ago when he did um, you know, let me know that he was going over to do NASCAR. It was kind of, you know, before it was all announced, it was sort of surreal, even the fact that he was going to go do that. You know, as a as a kid, like I love a motorsport. It's my profession as well. And then um, mm-hmm. that was pretty exciting. And then to turn around and fast in practice and qualifying third and then winning, like, <laughs> it was, yeah, insane, insane. Hey, Andrew, I don't know if you'll be able to give us the inside run in here, but is it? That- that the uh, the back of um, Mr. Mr. Champion of the World in New Zealand and Australia, and he's heading up to America now for the for the full time uh, NASCAR racing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the phone's running red hot for him. He's um, yeah, he he obviously loves the NASCAR, loves all that um, sort of racing. So um, so yeah, he's, he's still contracted for at least another year over in Australia. So. Um, whether it means you do other stuff in between, um, he's only on the morning after at the moment, and um, I can tell you he does have a bit of a sore head this morning. I'll be messaging him, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, I'll say it's uh, be, the phone will be ringing, that's for sure. Andrew, you've you've uh, been around motorsport for a, for a long, long time in, in many di- different disciplines. Just paint a picture for uh, all of us here uh, listening how difficult a transition it, it might have been for um, Giz to go from racing supercars, you know, a weekend ago to, to, to racing in a NASCAR car. Obviously amazing that he got a win, but but just talk us about how hard that transition would be for, for any normal driver. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Like, um, you know, as, as if some of the guys from NASCAR are trying to play it down and say, oh, you know, it's an easy transition because we used to street circuits. And um, it's it's still a hard one, though, because you sort of, it's a new championship. And one thing that I know he was, um, 
told quite a lot heading into the race. And, like, I know there was even a podcast uh, with another driver um, saying that, you know, drivers are going to wreck you because you're on a plane on Monday. So, um, so you know, he it was quite an intimidating environment. So to go into that, it's pretty tough. But, you know, the cars, some say they're similar, but he said, you know, they're sort of quite technical, but at the same time, quite a simple car. So... Um, not not an easy transition, but um, he's so used to doing different disciplines all the time, you know, rallying and sprint cars and obviously supercars, GT cars. So adapting is sort of one of his strong points. So um, so I, I knew he'd be fast uh, when he went over there, that's for sure. Mm. Mate, the, the conversations that are being had here and, and see them all over social media and, and some of the big motorsport pundits is, you know, calling Giz one of, one of the world's, you know, best motor motorsport drivers just just because of how, like you said, um, easy he can transition to any car and and be successful. What what is it about Giz? You know, from from you from your point of view, someone who's very close to him. What what is it about Giz the person that just makes him such a competitor? Um, well, even because we've been mates, you know, before school since we're about you know twelve, thirteen, and um, even back then when we're doing go karts and stuff, he. You know, we, we all grew up racing together and, you know, some of the best drivers to come out of New Zealand, um, we, we all raced together and there was just always this little X factor that Shane had. He just, he, I don't know, just something, you know, you never admit all your pairs are better than you, but we all knew that he had something a little bit special, um, just naturally. Mm. But to back that up, he is also very... Um, very smart with it all too. He, you know, the amount of analysation that he does with, um, you know, the data and um, how, you know, the, the team, as a driver, you you obviously explain your car setup and you tell the engineer what needs doing to be able to make the car go better. But he's just that good with it all. He's basically is good enough to be an engineer himself. So um, he's very, very smart. And the amount of homework he puts in, um, I guess it's like all these guys that you just say, it doesn't matter what discipline, you say that they're naturally talented. They are, but they also, the very best, they put in a lot of work. And um, Shane put in a hell of a lot of work heading into this NASCAR race, and um, it clearly showed. Uh, no doubt he'll be uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, if I can imagine his post-match, uh, his interview <laughs> after last year's supercars, when he had to duck off for a wee little, <laughs> wee little chuck. So no doubt he'll be feeling the same, mate. Uh, but j- just quickly for the future, day, uh, if he is going to make the move to NASCAR, the transition, obviously street races new in NASCAR, a lot of manoeuvres, a lot of turning, traditionally more of an oval track. Daytona really rings out for me. Will he have the same impact? Uh, over there if he is going to make that move in the traditional tracks uh, it's a tough one it's um, again he's say if he did get an opportunity to go and do an, an oval race or something um, it would be harder for him to come out the gate and, and be up the front uh, just because it's, mm. it becomes quite a team sport as well NASCAR just looking from the outside of you know the, how they or play it out, but again, he will put in some, if he does get the opportunity, he'll put in some serious homework and um, and put his best foot forward as usual, but yeah, this is, um, yeah, I, I could just imagine him doing pretty well too, but uh, yeah, I'd say he'll be getting a few phone calls, that's for sure. If he could fit, 
Formula One? Do he have the same impact in there? <laughs> um, it just seems everything can get into. Like he obviously did the New Zealand Grand Prix a few years ago as well, and um, went and won mm. that against some fast drivers in uh, a single seater, a smaller single seater. Um, but yeah, you give him a car, he'll he'll get in it and he'll be fast. Beautiful, Andrew. We appreciate your time, mate. No, you, no doubt you'll be a proud best friend and uh, he'll be feeling a bit under the weather, mate. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, well done to Shane Van Gisbergen and carrying the Kiwi flag with so much mana. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. There is Andrew Waite on his birthday uh, hangover. He's feeling, he's sounding pretty bloody good, but there you go, Shane Van Gisbergen doing good things in NASCAR. I'm predicting we're going to lose him, lads, but it's a good thing flying the flag over in America. Nothing better. Back soon. Blast away plug with the Colgate Blast cordless water flosser from Chemist Warehouse, now just $99.99. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Whatever his name is. SVG. Some Ben Burger, I don't know, hamburger. He he's fast, that's all I know. And Ricky returns to the winner's circle. Ten months ago, he was number 185 in the world. And now. Back on top, Ricky Fowler with his sixth career win. From our point of view, and I said I've had the benefit of hindsight because I made I made some decisions when I was younger and around the spirit of game which I I regret. Um, I made some mistakes around it as well, and and I put my hand up for that. There you go, couple of little highlights from the weekend. Van Burgler, he burgled your trophy over there in NASCAR. That's his name. Don't forget it, SVG, getting the job done over in NASCAR. How good. Ricky Fowler, one of my favourite golfers, back in the winner's circle after a five-year hiatus. And, uh, ooh, he's getting close to career best form, so close at the US Open, and he's back in the winner's circle. But coming up, we're going to be catching up with the one and only Brendan McCullum. G'day guys, Mark from Sydney here. Thanks for a great show as always. To me, Rishi Sunak and the Poms have got nothing to whinge about over that Johnny Bairstow dismissal. Johnny boy had a brain fade, wandered out of his crease, and our wicketkeeper stumped him in a legal dismissal. Even Ian Smith has said Bairstow is out legally. That is right, a bit of a brain fade. And Baz, well, he talks a bit about the spirit of the game, and there's been plenty of, article, plenty of articles spoken and written about his decision-making while he was at the crease. Competitive nature. Well, you want to hear what he has to say? Here he is. 
SCNZ. All right, we're going to cross over to the UK and have a catch up with the coach of the England Test side and former SCNZ co-host of Breakfast Show, Baz Brendan Skip, the coach, McCullum. Morning, coach. How you doing? Uh, morning, lads. How are you? I'm just going to get out of the wind so you can hear my dribble. <laughs> All good, mate. All good, mate. Hey, um, we appreciate your time, Bears. We've been uh, watching all the coverage over here in New Zealand. It's been a, a big old couple of test matches going right down the wire. Lots been happening on and off the field. But, mate, uh, obviously winding down from test two. How you been? How you been? What have you been focusing on? What's been the messages? Uh, well, I think, firstly, we've had two absolute ripping test matches, right? I think, you know, the anticipation mm. and the expectation leading into the series that two good teams with contrasting styles that go toe-to-toe. And I think so far over 10 days of cricket, everyone's been um, totally enthralled and, and, and probably entertained as well. And, you know, we're on the wrong side of it at the moment, 2-0 down. Um, but from our point of view, we still believe. And uh, and if we can just smooth out a couple of the rough edges and, and adapt to conditions that's slightly quicker than what we probably have done so far, then we give ourselves a chance. And, and that's the exciting aspect that, that we're looking at. And that's the message which is running through the side. Hey, Baz, it's Kempi, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. Man, it has been such an uh, awesome test match, to um, test series to watch. You've converted me into, I guess, a uh, cricket supporter um, with the style of cricket that you've introduced to the English team. Mate, there's been lots of talk over there, you know, about the way that the Australians are uh, not surprisingly um, not playing the, in, the, in the spirit of the game, especially with the... Uh, the dismissal yesterday. What, what's your thoughts on it? I know you, you came out and said you won't have a beer with him um, anytime <laughs> soon, but what's your thoughts? What's your honest thoughts on it? Well, it's a lovely, it's a lovely line for the narrative, isn't it? I think, you know, I think, I mean, in the end, we're all going to sit down and have a beer at the end, aren't we? But it was just a, a little bit of, a little bit of banter at the end there. But look, the guys are obviously a little bit, they were initially probably a little bit upset about it, but you know, the they're entitled to do what they want, um, and that's just the nature. I think if you look at the situation, there's going to be 50% of people would say that it was the right decision and 50% would say that it's not, and, you know, you, that's that's just life. And um, from our point of view, I, and I said I've had the benefit of hindsight because I made I made some decisions when I was younger and around the spirit of game, which I, I regret. Um, I made some mistakes around it as well, and, and I put my hand up for that. Um, at the time, I probably didn't understand what it kind of meant um, and for me it was about just trying to win in the moment and it wasn't until I played a little bit longer and, and probably understood things a little bit more that, that I, I kind of, uh, I changed my stance on that and hence I you know, put my hand up and, and have apologised for it but they're entitled to do what they want in the end um, you know, we, we still had our chances in that test match and and, uh, and we witnessed some quite amazing stuff especially from our captain um, Ben Stokes and I mean ultimately you know, the decision was made, and and we're two 0 down, but we're uh, we're confident we can bounce back. Mate, the fr- is there frustration within the group, and and how to stay on top of that frustration? Australia, we know what they're going to bring. They're going to try and rattle you. They're going to try and do things that are unorthodox. How do you ensure that that the lads stay on and, and the frustration doesn't creep in? Um. Yeah. Look. Uh, I reckon it's just part of it, you know. Like that's we knew mm. coming into the series that, and the exciting part was we knew we were going to be tested. We're, our methods were going to be tested. Our our mm. our, uh, our morale was going to be tested, and, and our skills were going to be tested. And we want that, you know. We 
we want to be, mm. we want to find out where we're at as a team. And if we're not quite there yet, then we'll strive to get better. Um, it's okay if you're, if you're not quite up to the mark at certain occasions. But the, the good thing is that every single time we head into a situation, the, the guys go in with, with total clarity and, and real confidence. And, you know, if, if the opposition is better in that circumstance, then that's okay. Um, but it just means you've got to improve slightly. And, and that's right. But I think the games have been very close. Um, there's been some very small margins yep. and some, some moments which have separated the two teams. And, you know, I think back for... 12 months ago when I took over this job um, to where we are now as a team and, and the type of cricket we're playing and, and the challenges where we're presenting the number one test team in the world in such a series which has got millions and millions of eyeballs all, all around the world on it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just really proud of, of where the guys are at and we know we're near the finished product yet. So, you know, we've just got to keep our belief and, and keep the morale high and, and we look forward to the next opportunity. And, that, and that's it, eh, Baz? Like, you've only had this side for 12 months. There's plenty of people uh, on both sides of the fence at the moment saying, you know, uh, this isn't Test cricket, ash, this isn't the Ashes. And then, you know, you've got to imagine what they were saying, 12 months when England couldn't even, couldn't, couldn't even bat. Um, how, how's the boys all, all taking it? You're, you're dead right about how close the series is. You know, 40 runs uh, on the last day, just, just gone. It, how's the morale like? The boys... Are they are they biting at the bit to get back out there, especially with the banter that's going on uh, in the background? Yeah, well, I think I mean the banter is just two two very proud sporting nations going toe to toe in a series, which means so much to both, right? So, you know, the banter and the 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 competitiveness are always going to be there, and, and that's what makes Ashes cricket so great. And you know, and that's the that's the opportunity that we have, and, and that's the that's the stage which has been set. So, how we deal with that. Um, is, is kind of in our own in our own hands, I guess. But you know, the guys are fantastic. Uh, so proud of them. You know, for their investment and in what we're trying to we were trying to take this team um, already in the last twelve months, and their investment in the last three or four weeks as well to still stay true to to what we want to achieve and and keep trying to improve in the areas that we need to um, under under some you know quite a, quite a large microscope. So look, I mean, in the end, I know we. We're always judged on our on our results, and and winning or losing is is crucial to to you know the, how things are. Um, but at the same time, you know we're we're playing some good cricket, and I don't think we have to improve a whole a whole heap to uh, to hopefully come out on the right side of it. But we'll see, we'll find out. Um, we know we're up against a good opposition, and and uh, they ain't going to give us anything. We're going to have to go out there and get it, and, and that's kind of that's the, the challenge which is in front of us, and it's pretty exciting, you know. Yeah, I love it. I love the fight. I can hear it in your voice. No surprises there, Bears, mate. You don't change for a win. You don't change in a loss, mate. It's all the same. Fight, dog, mentality. Absolutely love it. Both sides have been hit with injuries. Obviously, Nathan Lyon going down for Australia, and he's obviously the quality spin bowler, but you lost Jack Leach at the start of this series, so a big miss and a big loss. Joe Root has been throwing a, a few spins down the wicket for a while there. Is, is there a Another spin option that potentially could come in. I know you tried out Mo and Ali coming back from, from retirement. Um, is, is there any other options? I think maybe potentially lacking in the spin department if there was something. Well, I think firstly, I think, you know, Nathan Lyon, um, well, for us, Jack Leach was a huge bloke because he's been such an instrumental part of, of not just our performances, but also the culture shift that we've been able to make within 12 months. And, you know, he, he was a big blow for us, but. Um, you know, he's still in and around the group 
uh, at times and, and he's still offering some stuff. So, you know, we, we try and do what we can from that point of view. From Nathan Lyon, you know, look, he's he's been a, a, an incredible player for a long period of time. So have done what he's done as an off spinner and the amount of wickets he's taken in his career is significant. And, you know, you never like to see... You never like to see people get injured, and from our point of view, we want to play against the best, right? And he's he's the best, so you know you wanted you wanted him to be fit and firing, and and hopefully you try and overcome him. If not, then then you say fair play. But so it's a it's a big blow for them. But they do have some some good options. I think this Todd Murphy looks like a really good bowler, and he's obviously he's not Nathan Lyon yet, but he's got some real skills. So we'll respect his his skill and and make sure we try and come up with ways to counter him. And from our point of view, around the spin options. Uh, Mo and Ali's finger is, is certainly improving and and Headley has, has been a place where spin has been pretty um, successful in the past so you know, I'd expect that Mo would come back into the lineup all going well but we'll have to wait and see um, we've only just got the league so we'll have a look at the wicket tomorrow morning and um, and then uh, and make a call but you know Mo's a very experienced customer he's, he's, he's been around the international game for a long period of time I thought he performed well in that first test match and particularly with mm. someone whose finger was in such a situation it was. I thought he did the job that we asked of him, and and I'm sure that you know when uh, if he does get another opportunity in this game, hopefully he will still bring that same kind of presence that he does and and uh, that match winning ability. And and if it works out for him, then he could be the one standing there at the end with uh, with the accolades. Beautiful, Bears. Oh, we'll let you go shortly, mate. Uh, but how are you doing? How are you doing? Obviously, over in the UK, playing in the Ashes series. Was it everything that you thought it was? Oh, mate, I'm loving life. Is honestly, it is. This is <laughs> this is where you, this is where you want to be. You know, like what the, the biggest stage you can possibly get. You know, the team's obviously down at the moment, but how good's that? Like, how what an opportunity you you want to be. As I keep saying, you want to be tested against the best. You want to see where you're at. You don't want things to be easy. You know, the easy shit's not. That's not. That's not where the value is. <laughs> you want to you want to be tested against. You want to be tested against the best and on the biggest stage. And as I say, I'm just so proud of our boys for, for where, they've, where they've come from in, in the last little while and, and what they're doing day in, day out and the way they're fronting up. And you know, If things, things change just a little bit, who knows? We might be on the right side of it. But what a great challenge in front of us. And you know, I can't wait to get it on again, to be honest. So just an absolute thrill and a, and a real privilege to be in the position I'm in. And you know, all of that other stuff, like all the the noise and the media and all that sort of thing I actually have great respect for it all because uh, to me that's what makes it such a, a significant series and makes it such an opportunity mm. to to do what we're trying to do in cricket because there's so many people out there watching it and enjoying it so you try and take it in your stride and and uh, and just never change I guess Beautiful Bears well we know you love your punting we've been having a dire time over here in New Zealand I'm I'm absolutely hating it have you got anything coming up anything you can lead us into Bazza? Lads, I might have something I might have something <laughs> I've got a horse I got a horse that I bred and this is going to kill me because we're going to get no odds now but I got a horse that I bred that won a trial the other day very impressively he's a big chestnut with a big white face and his name's Stokes and he runs Ooh, he runs Benny the Stokes' 20th. horse. <laughs> no, it's my horse, but I asked him if I could name it after him because I thought he would bring a big chestnut horse. Big, well-built chestnut with a big, strong white face. And he can gallop and he's going to debut. 
He's going to debut on the 20th, hopefully, all going well. Curtis Puthab's got him, um, who's done wonderfully well early in his training career. Um, he debuts on the 20th. I think it's the Hastings all going well, but he, he looks like he might have a bit of ability. So who knows? Maybe that's the uh, that could be the story of uh, of the Ashes. We, we find a way to come back and, and, and raise, raise the urn, and Stokes wins on debut, and everyone gets the fill-up. Oh, beautiful, Bez. Love it. I love it, mate. Stokes, 20th at Hastings. You heard it here on SCNZ. The odds are going to plummet now. Thanks for that, Bez. Hey, uh, Rito, Kieran Reid, he was obviously over at the Ashes. He said you, you looked after him, mate. Did you ever catch up with Rito? Well, I didn't get a chance to, look, uh, to catch up with him, but, yeah, we got Rito some tickets to the game, and he, he made the effort to come to Birmingham, and he said he loved it. It rained most of the day, but him and uh, Stuart Broad, uh, swapping jerseys actually because Stuart Broad's number eight for us um, over here, and, oh, and obviously yeah. Rito's number eight All Black, so they're swapping swapping shirts, which is pretty cool because Rito's obviously a cricket fan, and and uh, and Broadie's a, a rugby fan, so we'll connect them at some stage. But yeah, it was, hopefully we'll catch up with them at some stage as well. But we've seen so many Kiwis over here, mate. Honestly, it's, it's been awesome. I had some friends travel over from New Zealand, and there's heaps of people floating around. So series like this, they just you know, everyone gets to enjoy it. So it's been it's been good fun, and we're only just sort of well, we're not even halfway through, which is pretty exciting. Oh, what are you driving, hey, Bez? If you want in a if you want in a point, if you want in a point, Bez, <laughs> head to the Skyrack and Hidden Leads, uh, run by a good mate of mine called Fletch, and just say they can't be sitting in there. I'm pretty sure he'll fool you out. He sent me that message, so I'll go and I'll go and hit him up. <laughs> All right, Bez. We appreciate your time, mate. All the best. We're loving the series. Obviously, 2 0 down, but, mate, you can sense a little bit of a comeback here, heading to Headingley. So, all the best, brother. Appreciate your time. Uh, Thanks, Lance. We'll see, but looking forward to it, eh? Cheers. Great to hear from Brendan McCullum, the English cricket coach. Obviously, they're over in the UK, heading to Headingley for the third Ashes. Need to get back. In the fold, in the fight. I think the big question, Sammy Hewitt, is uh, Johnny Best, though. Obviously, he is uh, an integral part of this squad. He's struggled as of late, particularly with the bat, but he's also wicket-keeping. Ben Folks obviously held that uh, role for a wee while while Johnny Best, though, was out with injury. Can we see a potential of Baz making a change there? Ben Folks, good with the bat. Obviously, class with... With the with the wicket pads, yeah, very good with the batting. There's a few questions about um, Bearstow as well after that first test. You remember a lot of drop catches um, mm. for the Aussies, so well, against the Aussies. So um, it's a big call for Bears to make because obviously it's a it, the, the series is on the line in Headingley. Um, so um, very very similar to uh, I think a conversation we're going to have very very shortly about uh, Freddie Fitlett. Sort of like uh, do you make these big changes when? when a series is on the line or, or does Baz try his luck one more time and if it doesn't pay off, then you, then you sweep, the, you know, clean the house, mm. get the broom, which is what Freddie Fittler has done. Kempi, we're going to talk about that shortly. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Can't wait to talk about that, Sammy. Eh? Yeah, it's great, a great chat to Baz. Um, is, you know what I like about Baz is that mm. he's, a, he's really level. You know, like no matter when you talk to him, like you'd think at the moment that he's two games down in that Ashes series and nothing... Is else is on his mind? I said, "Man, I've got, I've got to get this next one." But you're having a conversation with him like you're having a point, you know, um, down at the mm. local Skyrack, and and he's just. I I was thinking when he was talking, man, this is a Netflix movie. This is mm. an absolute Netflix movie. If he can get the next three games, 
And I really hope he does. I hope he does because, man, the headlines. <laughs> just looked at one of the headlines out of the Western Australian and it's got uh, Benny Stokes in a nappy with a with a pacifier in his mouth, uh, calling him a crybaby. They've gone they've gone to town in <laughs> Australia, um, and Ben Stokes has retweeted it and said, "Well, uh, something like, uh, well, I never got to use the new ball.' He didn't talk about the how they addressed them. I just think the theatre of the whole thing is is fantastic. Um, and up at Headingley, Yorkshire, as they are up there, the cricket people they'll they'll pack it out. It'll be a, it's going to be a great third test. And and Chris has uh, raised a good point as well on the text machine. Um, people are too quick to judge. England should just keep going the way they are playing. Two wickets yes. in the first test, forty runs in the second could have seen them up two 0 That's what you got to remember is that both tests are extremely close. And if England had their time again, they might win them. So it's not quite at the level of you know they're not getting towelled up in three days. Um, I think they stick to what they what's you know sort of working at the moment and and hope they get the job done hittingly. Take it yeah, to game four. Definitely right. Come on. Get it out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting. Knowing Baz, he's loyal. And Johnny Bairstow will potentially probably be in that fold. It was a game in inches, as they say. And uh, look, it could have gone either way. So, Chris, you're definitely on the money there. And there's another message that's come through as well, talking about the punt. We'll shoot off and we'll be back soon. You're listening to Izzy and Kimpy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Fuel like the All Blacks with Healthspan Elite Ultimate Whey Protein, 750 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 28 minutes past eight here on SNZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Lads are uh, going to talk some NBA in around about 20 minutes time. Free agency at the moment. Lots of contracts getting flowing about and players moving to uh, to different organisations. But Kempe, we've got to talk about uh, the State of Origin teams that got named yesterday uh, by Freddie and um, Billy Slater. Obviously, New South Wales have swept the broom, basically, um, and brought in a whole bunch of changes. Queensland's relatively unaffected. They've uh, no Reese Walsh and Tommy Flegler, but they've brought in Corey Horsburgh uh, Tommy Dearden is on the extended interchange. No Dylan Edwards for New South Wales. Kempe, what does the man have to do? Well, the really surprising one there, I, I thought he might have got the centre spot with Bradman Best. You know, like they've tried fullbacks in the centre as you looked at uh, Trebojevic and Latrell Mitchell in there. Um, and I don't know what he has to do, Dylan Edwards. Like He is the most unluckiest mm. player not to play New South Wales state of origin over the last three years. Um, he's in fine form again this year. I think James Tedesco has only held on to the to the um, position because of the captaincy. Mm. He's been out of form in the two games. Um, dropping dropping Jero- uh, Jerome Luai. I don't think Jerome Luai plays for New South Wales again. To be brutally honest, you called honest. that. MP, uh, you picked that. Yeah, it's a it's a you know it's a, a call that needed to be made. Um, what's really interesting in it is you know. You mentioned it, Sammy, before we went to the break. Uh, I know it's a little bit different because Baz is, Baz is coaching to save the series. Freddie's coaching to save his life yeah. with New South Wales because uh, this game here, they go out of it, I think. In the th- um, look, I'm picking Queensland to win it again. Um, but if they go out of this one, I think Freddie Fittler, he can basically pack his bags uh, for the New South Wales job. But the, um, the amount of changes that he made, I, had, I didn't see that many changes coming. You know, Cameron Gillard, uh, Campbell Gillard in the front row, uh, along with Jake Trebojevic, who came straight back in. But, you know, uh, Colin Otangi, he obviously gets that, that edge going with Cody Walker. 
Um, but Bradman Best, mate, in the centres, when you're talking about centres, what you just have to look at the Brisbane centres and the Cronulla centres because you'd think that they'd be in front of Bradman Best at well, the moment. Well, the only thing Bradman Best has done all season was score a hat-trick on the weekend against the Bulldogs in a 66-point drubbing. I mean, it's almost it's mm. like you just got picked on that game alone, Kempi. And then once again, Freddie's gone with Clint, with uh, an out-and-out fullback on the bench. Um, I know Gutho, I think he might have played in the centres before and maybe he's tried his hand at halfback, but you know, I don't know why he keeps persisting with having these guys on the bench that I guess you're putting there for utility. He probably won't even get on Gutherson. I think Gutherson will start, personally. I don't think Bradman Best will start. I think Gutherson will um, go straight into the centres because he's been used there before. I, I, but I then you've got Best sitting you know, on the bench. Yeah, I know. And what I, are you going to do it, with him? I don't... <laughs> I don't know where they, you know, they've gone right left field with their with their selection policy. I don't know who their selection team is, but you've basically got a brand new team running out here structurally. Mm. Um, you know, you've still got Cook and, and Cody Walker. Then we've seen what they were doing with South Colum and Tungy. They, they played well on the weekend. Parramatta, to have that many players in this team, uh, the only best thing about that is not not good for New South Wales. It's great for the Warriors who yeah. played them this week. So... <laughs> Uh, but they, you know, the Warriors can't take that too easily as well because you know we, we saw what happened with the depleted South side. So um, yeah, look, Queensland, that's the stability of their side. You know, this is a the beginning, I think, of another dynasty for Queensland. Mm. I think that when you look at their side, even see everyone thought Brimson um, would come in, and you know everyone was hoping Ponga, and especially if you watch their game, Newcastle at sixty-six point drubbing. Uh, Newcastle gave Canterbury Pongan three tries, three line breaks. It was just over everything that happened um, for Newcastle would come back and play. But mate, they just they just make their mind up really quick. The selection for me, Sammy, and how the selectors work are chalk and cheese compared um, compared to each other. Queensland, New South Wales are very stable. Queensland, and I think um, I think 2010 was the last clean sweep. I think they get a clean sweep. Mm. This year, Oof. yeah. Well, I think I think I agree with you, Kempi, as well. So much stability, like you said, in the Queensland side. Uh, we might talk a bit more about that tomorrow, lads, uh, in the morning. Uh, we do have to get some news away. Like I said, uh, going to have an NBA chat coming up very shortly as well, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, in Paulie Mawate talk some TAB on the other side of news uh, with Aroha and Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. So, team just looking after me. Um, which is just what I've always wanted from Tony, but never, never quite received. So uh, one day, one day, uh, I'll get the same treatment. I'll tell you what, Sammy, I'm not talking about you, Sammy Hugh, I'm talking Sammy Brown. You're going to get a clip when I get back down there. I've been there for over over 12 months. You never bought me but, one but, coffee but this or, is, or one bat. This is it, though, Kimpy. You, know, you just got to treat him nicely. You know, say a couple of nice words, a few compliments. Goes a long way, okay? Goes He's a, long a great way. man. Hey. He's a great man, Sammy Brown. He must be feeling sorry for you, Sammy Hewitt. Yeah, I think he is, actually. Yeah. He... Hey, Sammy. Yeah. Is that coffee because uh, you had three naps yesterday? <laughs> Oh, Here you go, Sammy. Okay. You know we got to say. You know we got to say. You know we got to say. You Sammy. I know. I know where the loyalties lie. I know where the loyalties lie. Couple of Arvo three naps. blind mice. Three blind mice. <laughs> oh, no, I talk a, us um, through it, mate. Oh well, I'm a. You I'm tired? A, yeah, yeah, very tired. But I'm a chronic. Um, I'm a chronic napper man. Like I can nap on demand. So I just parked up on the couch, put on the TV. Uh, watch I've been getting into Succession. I know that's been talked about a lot um, by a lot of people recently, so I thought I'd dive into that. So I just put that on and, yeah, just dozed off. Well, you didn't see it. You went to sleep. No, no, I dozed off a couple of times. Quite a slow show, to be honest, Kimby. But I did uh, <laughs> did have three nice long naps and then went to bed at 8 o'clock. So uh, happy days. <laughs> Jeez, one day, one day down. 
I was 8.30 last night. I was absolutely snoring. But I'm watching The Kingdom. Uchur Ragnarsson. If you watch that, it's a good watch. Is it Vikings? It's like the Vikings. It's about the Saxons and and the pagans up in the north when they try and invade uh, Mercia and Wessex and Anglia. Oh, it's so good. Such a good watch. What are you watching, Kimmy? Oh, mate, I'm too busy. I just, you know, I get up at 4 o'clock, go to bed at 10. <laughs> okay. I don't, no, I've got no time for a nap. But mm. anyway, you just tell me what it's like. You'll have another three naps today, probably four. Just see, <laughs> just when you get the half a dozen, you need a hand, just give us a yell. Oh, well, mate, I'll tell you the coffee and the McMuffin, the free, Big sorry, shoulders. free coffee I'm and McMuffin are going to keep me going. All right, you two. I can't wait to see you in the studio. Watch the socials because uh, there'll be some good clips being had over the gloves, next couple of bring days. Bring your gloves, Kimpy, Getting the married couple back together in the studio. Here's a message for you, Kempi from Paddy. Morning, boys. Kempi, just wondering if you had any ideas as to what Brandy Alexander does as a chief advisor for New South Wales. He was grilled on New South, uh, NRL 360 last night. Looked like an absolute goose. Is it just fancy name for assistant coach or something more? Cheers, Paddy. No, no, look, Paddy, uh, Brandy Alexander is an absolute legend in the in the game in Australia. Um, but he also comes out of Penrith, and uh, of course that's where Freddie Fitler made his debut. He made, he debuted out of Penrith under Full Gould, so it's a it's a bit of a triangle there. Full Gould would act as an advisor to Freddie. Uh, Brandy would act as an advisor to Freddie um, in there as well. And I think when he fronts the media, and I saw that I saw that uh, little clip from uh, Brandy last night. Uh, it's a it's a pretty oh what would you say um, I guess heated exchange because the, their their careers are on the line so watch this space beautiful beautiful and a couple more messages there we'll get to those shortly but we're going to shoot off because we're going to come back and talk some NBA with Seth Part now so back soon just ninety nine ninety nine you're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, welcome back. We're 16 away from nine. Ian Smith coming up. But right now, it's now time to talk some NBA with Seb Partno, director of North American Sports at Statsbomb and a writer for The Athletic. Seth, good morning to you. Uh, good afternoon, uh, where I am. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> we are good, mate. We appreciate your time this morning. NBA, plenty happening in free agency First question, James Harden waived his uh, $33 million contract with the 76ers. Does anyone want him? We'll see. Um, he certainly wants to be elsewhere. Uh, um, there's been a lot of speculation about him possibly ending up with the, with the Clippers, uh, possibly ending up in Portland as part of a Dame Lillard trade. I don't have a great sense of, of what's going on there, uh, in part because I don't think the 76ers front office really leaks that much so uh mm. when something happens it it with the first we hear about it might be uh a Wojer shams uh tweet announcing it hey seth what about uh there's a lot of chatter around damian lillard like where does he end up does he end up at miami um it certainly seems like that's most likely the latest chatter and just looking at what miami has to offer it's actually not that much uh, so uh, Portland's front office is messaging, if not actually going to stick to uh, the script, that they are not really going to take into account where he wants to get traded. Uh, they're going to just go for the best return. Um, who else that might be remains a little unsure. Uh, the Knicks have been a team that's been sort of mentioned there, as have the Clippers again. 
Um, so we'll see. But if I had to pick one, like if I had to choose the most likely place he is next year, it's probably Miami. Miami seems like a, a fitting place. Obviously, free agency has been a winner for a lot of their players. Gabe Vincent going to the Lakers, signing a deal there. Max Struess getting paid. Plenty of them. So the spa- is the cap space there? Are you saying that they haven't got enough room, potentially money-wise? Oh, it's not the, It's not so much the money. It's the they can't really offer as much in the way of players and picks and still have a championship-level ah. team. Um, essentially, for... If if I'm putting myself in Portland shoes, I'm I'm probably not really very enthused about doing it unless I get Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo back. But if I'm Miami, kind of what's the point of trading <laughs> trading in one of those guys if I'm trying to get back to the championship? So that's a little yeah, bit where Adam, the impasse is. I don't think Tyler Hero Adam, is seen as uh, that level of player. Yeah, Adebayo so influential in the final series. All right, let's talk about Golden State because Draymond Green has just re-signed for $100 million over four years. Is that the right move from the Warriors? I think so. Um, it, you basically are riding with what you got until Steph Curry isn't uh, an MVP-level player anymore. And uh, the last year or two of that contract for, for Draymond might be a little a little ugly, but it's... it's uh, where you're really about maximizing the next two years and getting him back in the fold, maybe paying him a little much on the on the back end of it to make sure you have the core of your team together on the front end. Uh, I think that's a sensible move. Hey, Seth, we're just seeing the draft play out, and Victor Wembanyama has been the talk through that uh, that number one pick. But players outside the lottery you've liked, uh, what should we? Who should we keep an eye on? Oh man! Once you get outside the lottery, it's uh, it it is a little bit uh, wild and woolly out there. I think lower down the lottery, I re- I really quite like uh, Jarris Walker, who Indiana picked. I think Indiana's had a a very good off season so far uh, to begin with. Um, further down, I think uh, the Bucks got Andre Jackson out of uh, UConn in the second round, and uh, he's someone who there's there's pretty significant health concerns but if he can stay on the court he has the kind of skill and athleticism uh to be a a difference maker in the playoffs um but really like once you get past about the top three or four guys in this year's draft it's a this was a very flat draft it was considered by a lot Mm -hmm. of people in that once you got past uh you know when uh scoot henderson brandon miller maybe a men thompson uh it was kind of Take your pick. Who do you like? Um, another player who who kind of fell precipitously um, for nebulous reasons is uh, Cam Whitmore, who ended up in in uh, in, a, in Houston at the thirtieth pick, and a lot of people were were very high on him. Whether or not there's there's playing time to be had in Houston uh, for him to sort of prove himself is, is remains to be seen. But that's a player a lot of people are are, are paying attention to as sort of a late pick. Uh, could be sleeper. Well, speaking of Houston, Houston, do we have a problem? Money moves in Houston. Dylan Brooks joining the Houston Rockets, four years, eighty million. Fred Van Fleet, three years, one hundred thirty million. They have spent an astronomical amount of money. The right move for the Rockets. I, I like the Van Vliet move a lot better than the Brooks move. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet. But there's been some reporting that the third year of Van Vliet's contract is either only partially guaranteed or at a team option, um, and it's it's pretty hard to sign a bad contract that only goes two years. Um, 
uh, Brooks is not my favorite player, and I don't totally understand that move <laughs> from the Rockets' standpoint. And I, I don't know who they were bidding against. I don't know why they had to go four years. I don't know why he's the player they thought they needed. Uh, they they kind of needed some some shooting and perhaps some some locker room leadership. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies team that that Brooks just left. Uh, was not really noted for either, um, and I he is a willing but not especially accurate shooter, which is uh, Houston's got plenty of those already. So I don't really understand where he fits in with a team that's trying to grow. Well, can you give us some understanding of what's going on with Zion Williamson? Obviously, plenty been going off the court for the big man. Is he going to be the same man after what's unfolding? It's. it's you know, it, it's it's one of the great what ifs. You know, every I don't know every ten years or so, we get a player that is just, you know, physically breaks every mold, and their body can't hang up, uh, hold up to the uh, to the NBA life. Um, you know, it was, it was Zion now who's been a every bit an All NBA level performer when he's been able to be on the court. Uh, you know, a decade ago is Yao Ming. Um, you know, before that in the eighties, it was, it was perhaps Ralph Sampson and it's, it's, it's sad, but, uh, you know, just the, the, the human body was not, uh, maybe not designed to, uh, withstand the forces that, uh, that a player of Zion's size and speed can exert on it. Um, so, you know, you always, hopefully can get back on the court because he's, he's thrilling to watch, but I think there's going to be a lot of can he or can't he for at least the next couple of years of his career. Seth, um, during this sort of period, the off-season in the NBA, so many teams are trying to work out who they want to bring in, who they want to trade. How much room is there for sentiment um, in the NBA? And I talk, and it might be a terrible example, but let's use Steph Curry as an example at the Golden State Warriors. The face of the organisation has been for many, many years. But is there a point where a, a franchise has to be aware of, of offloading someone when they're at their peak versus you know, keeping them on because they're loyal and, and having them not be worth as much further down the line? Is there room for sentiment in the NBA, do you think? Oh, I think there's room for it. I think I think as a whole, teams probably go too far in that direction. Um, the fact that everyone is so surprised that that Toronto kind of let Fred Van Vliet uh, walk away for for nothing is it, it just suggests how how deeply held that is. That uh, the, you know this guy has been with us. He's he's been part of our success. We have to take care of him. Where that that maybe goes past beyond the the point of a player being a an impactful player anymore. And I'm not saying that, that Van Vliet is that, but he is, you know, he's, he's a small guard who's getting older and I can certainly see why Toronto would not be, uh, especially eager at signing him up for, for, you know, $40 million a season for the next three or four years. But for the most part, I mean, I think, uh, the best example of it, you might've seen this off season is, uh, Sacramento had a, had their best season in, two decades and they went out of their way to uh, re-sign Demonis Sabonis to just a massive extension uh, a year before they would have had to. And in a situation where a year from now, it doesn't really seem like there would be anyone bidding against him for uh, bidding against them for his services. So uh, in some ways you just like reward people for a good season. We have good vibes right now. Let's keep it going. You can understand that rationale. I think it gets taken uh generally speaking, gets taken a little too far across the league. 
Seth, mate, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, really do appreciate you coming on and giving us all your analysis. Uh, Seth, our partner there from uh, The Athletic uh, as well. We will take a short break. Come back with Smithy after this.